Oh man, Red Shirts Dynasty listeners, this is going to be a special episode. I sat down with Stefania Bell to talk about the injuries you need to know in 2020 for your fantasy football league. But don't show up to your draft without a trophy. You've got to go to trophysmack.com and check out all the trophies they have. They've got rings, belts, loser trophies, draft boards. I mean, you name it, they have it. And now go over there when you get on their website, enter the code BALLBLAST at checkout. That's all one word, BALLBLAST at checkout. You add a championship ring to your cart. You're going to get it for free with the purchase of any trophy or belt. Check them out, trophysmack.com. Welcome to the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast, a ball blast football production. Here are your hosts, Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, and John Helmkamp. Welcome back into the Red Shirts Dynasty podcast. Of course, we are part of Ball Blast Football. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, you might be very confused right now because there is no Matt, Matt Okada. There is no John Helmkamp. Uh, however, I am joined by a very special guest on today's show, one that I've really been looking forward to. I'm joined by Stefania Bell, of course, of ESPN, the best injury analyst in the industry. <laughs> Stefania, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Well, that's very that's very kind of you to say. I might be the, the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the best, but I appreciate it. And by that. default, Thank the you. best. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's been hanging um, around. Yeah. It's been fun to kind of watch like injury analysts kind of grow in the space and sort of, you know, in football and in fantasy sports and all that kind of thing. And honestly, I feel like you were kind of at the the forefront of that, kind of paving the way for other people to kind of make their little little niche in the industry. So it's been exciting to kind of um have this opportunity to sit down with you and, and talk through some of these injuries. But of course, for any of our listeners who I don't know how this is possible, but don't know where to find you on social media <laughs> or kind of where to find your work, just just plug your stuff. Um, where can they follow you? Um, so Twitter, Stefania is, you know, at Stefania underscore ESPN and then Instagram, Stefania Bell. Um, I have to say I'm not as prolific on Instagram as some of the I, I got a late start to Instagram and I'm not sure I'm as exciting on Instagram, although <laughs> although I'm always trying to think of a, like when we do video clips and things from injury reporting, I do have an IGTV channel. So there will be updates there. Probably going to try Perfect. and use it more during this. But um, if I'm updating news things, it's usually on Twitter. And, and that's one of those two places is where you'll find me. Perfect. And then, of course, you know, you're over at ESPN. You're on the, <laughs> the Fantasy Focus uh, podcast with Field and Matthew and Daniel and just a, a great crew over there. Um, talk to our listeners a little bit about kind of, you know, your background, how you got into injury analysis as a physical therapist, and then how you got into working at ESPN. Well, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version because I feel like, uh, you know, I don't want to waste too much time telling you about <laughs> the, the path, although... Um, you know, what I will leave out are the gaps of where it didn't look like anything was going to happen. I think people think I somehow like magically ESPN just opened this door and lay down this mat and came and sought me out. And it, it wasn't that way at all. Uh, back when I got interested in potentially doing something like this, I was working as a PT. I played fantasy football and I frankly just got tired of everybody asking me all their injury questions. I wasn't the only PT in the league, but I think I was, uh, because I worked primarily in sports and I worked with some high level athletes, uh, I had 
this reference, this frame of reference for how people did after injuries like this. And back then the injury reporting was really slim. You didn't have social media like you do now. Twitter didn't exist. You didn't have uh, much in the way of updates. It was really just the injury reports listing if a player practiced or didn't practice. And uh, once you found out what the injury diagnosis was, obviously you can appreciate this. I could apply what I knew and what I understood from rehab and as well as just understanding the game and the demands per position, and try and put some uh, thoughts together. And I found that people kept coming back to me and asking me for advice. And uh, I also taught in physical therapy. So I was used to presenting things in a, a more easily digestible format. And I think the two things just made sense to me. Like, why not put this information together? where people could access it. If the guys I'm playing with want the information, I bet there are more people out there who do. And, and that was sort of the impetus of, of doing this. And then I started shopping around for a place to do it. I really just thought I was gonna be writing and uh, you know, online columns and were starting to get more popular. You know, before, when I started playing fantasy football, it was the, you know, check the box scores in the, in the paper. <laughs> I hate to say I'm dating myself, but, um, you know, the online column was like, wow, you can reach all these people through the internet and it's so fast. And, and uh, I got a little outfit called KFFL to give me a tiny space inside somebody else's column. And it, it got attention and it got attention places I didn't expect it. Got a lot of attention from gamblers. I mean, they knew back early yeah. on that injury reporting was important. And then um, ultimately somebody at Rotowire noticed it and they offered me a bigger space to write in, uh, magazines and uh, my own column. And eventually they did a deal with SiriusXM and that put me on the radio. So that was my first on-air experience. And they really helped me kind of discover my voice. And at that time, Matthew Berry was uh, moving to ESPN to head up the fantasy sports division. And he was in charge of putting together a group of talent. And um, he had gotten to know me a little bit through FSTA meetings. And I was a bit of a unicorn. I was a woman who played fantasy football, who also had a medical background. And uh, yeah, sure. credit, credit to Matthew, he saw those as some things that would make the group more diverse and brought me in and I had an audition which I was sure was going to send me right back to California. <laughs> um, but luckily they were kind enough to take a chance on me on a six month contract. That six month is now 12 years, I think. Cause I started, wow. I moved to Connecticut. I was commuting for a year starting in 2007. So I'm now going into my 13th year. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. It's crazy, uh, crazy how life changes and plans change and all that stuff. But obviously, it's been awesome for uh, ESPN and, and sounds like for you as well. It's been great to kind of get the truth, I feel like, for our fantasy players about injuries. I'm with you. You know, you see all these reports and it's like, I don't even know what injury I can think of off the top of my head. But they're like, oh, I'll be back in about two weeks. And you're like, no, that is like a six week at least recovery <laughs> timeline. Right. So kind of gives you a leg up on, on other people that are more casual players. But certainly that is becoming more mainstream. Uh, Stefania, I do want to dive in a little bit to uh, one of, I'm sure, your biggest projects that you've done so far in, the, in recent years over at ESPN. Project 11 was fantastic. As a PT myself, watching that and kind of just truly appreciating like what Alex Smith went through and the recovery and the rehab was, was amazing. Um, but a lot of people just aren't familiar with 
really the full story um, or how you even got connected with Alex and his family. So if you don't mind just kind of laying out like the timeline of that, how you got connected with Alex, what that experience was like, and then maybe a little bit of fantasy um, implications here. What can we expect moving forward from Alex Smith? So to start back, you know, the injury obviously happened in November of 2018, and I didn't know much more than anybody else. I knew that he had a fracture, and that report came out fairly quickly. Uh, you knew he was hospitalized for surgeries, you would expect, once we knew it was compound fracture. And then you started hearing that he'd had a bit of an extended stay in the hospital. And again, um, Alex is a very private guy. His family was understandably very private during that time when you get to know how serious his condition became, you understand why they wanted that privacy. So there really wasn't much that I knew other than that there had been an infection and that was it. And you know, uh, again, you'll, you can appreciate that whenever you have an open wound associated with a fracture, there's the risk for infection goes up um, exponentially. And unfortunately that's what ended up happening once he was out of the woods past the infection and understood that he had this lengthy recovery uh, to try and salvage his limb because even though the decision was made early on to save his leg uh, for people who might not have heard or seen the story he because of the infection uh, he nearly lost his life and then he nearly had to sacrifice his leg to save his life they were able to save his leg but it didn't necessarily mean his leg would be healthy going forward and his rehab was going to be extensive and he asked his physician, Dr. Robin West, who essentially oversaw his care, even though there were multiple surgeons involved, she was the coordinator of all of his care and, and was directly involved in the orthopedic issues. And um, he asked her who he could reach out to, who had been through something similar. And she said, really, there isn't anyone, you know, certainly not in football. And right. I don't know of another athlete who's had an injury like this. And those conversations led to him wanting to document his experience because he felt like, who knows, maybe if somebody else came along who was unfortunate enough to suffer a similar injury, they could gain something from watching what he did. And Dr. West and I know each other from medical circles and she knew what I did. And I've actually done a feature on her when she was first hired by Washington. Um, and she takes care of the Nationals and the Washington football team. So she is unique in her role as uh, being the only woman to head up to uh, medical divisions of sports teams. Sure. Yeah. And so she was familiar with me and what I did and suggested to Alex and his wife, Elizabeth, that I might be a good person to document the story because I would certainly have more of an understanding of the medical aspect to it, the gravity, et cetera. And um, so that led to a conversation and I talked with Alex and Elizabeth and Dr. West. We all got on a call and we talked about, you know, how willing he would be to really share everything, knowing that the path was very uncertain. And to their credit, they, they agreed to it and Alex wanted that. I mean, he wanted the story to be authentic and he knew that it would not be if we only showed up for the great moments. You know, we really had to capture right. the highs and the lows. And so um, that was that was really the genesis of it. And then it was just a matter of, you know, getting everybody on board at ESPN. We had to keep it under wraps. That was tricky. Um, you know, we're a news organization. We, we break news. We have people who are very, very good at breaking news. And in this case, we really couldn't uh, 
let it get out how bad his injury was because that was a request from Alex in, in putting this piece together was he didn't want bits and pieces to come out piecemeal and then have to answer a lot of questions that might not feel right uh, when you're not sure. hearing the whole story. So that was perhaps the hardest part and we had to keep it in code. So in our emails, my producer and I and, and uh, Andy Tennant, who's the head of E60, we began calling it Project 11 and the name just stuck <laughs> and it ended up being a perfect name for it. So obviously um, people who are following football now know that it's beyond what many people believed was possible was that he did in fact return to training camp. Um, he was initially placed on the pup list, uh, despite the fact that he was actually cleared by the head team physician and the surgical team. Um, I think, you know, there, it's understandable. There's some people who are nervous in the organization about really exposing him to football again, but as the team moved out of strength and conditioning into more formal practice, he was taken off the pup list, began with sort of the nine on nines and then the 11 on 11s. And he's done some work that, you know, he just recently time we're recording this started the 11 on 11s and, you know, final roster cuts are this week. So I don't pretend to know where those things stand. There are football decisions that are being made within the organization um, so it's hard to know. I, I have to honestly tell you, I, I really don't know how things are going to shake out in Washington, but I will tell you this, Alex is exceptionally competitive and exceptionally driven. If he thought that he wasn't able to perform, he would remove himself. Um, the fact that he is out there tells me that he's feeling good. You know, I have talked to him a couple times very briefly, um, that he's feeling really good. And, uh, you know, he's sort of doing everything they're asking him to do, which is about all you can do if you're him. And of Definitely. course, it's easy to say he's already won. You know, people are like all over the map in terms of how they feel about it. But I think for him, it's really important to take it to the level where he thinks, you know, he, he always wanted to know how far could I go. And as he was able to knock down different hurdles, the the goal just kept getting pushed out further and further. And the fact that he could put a helmet on and cleats on and go out and participate in football drills, why would he say, oh, okay, good enough. <laughs> you yeah. know, he, he really wants to see where he can take it. And so uh, I'm waiting along with the rest, of, uh, the rest of the football audience to see what happens in the next week. Yeah, watching him jog out of uh, the locker room or kind of onto the field that the Washington football team posted on social media, I mean, chills. Like, it's just, it's crazy to, to see him come this far. So hopefully he can keep it going. Uh, it's crazy. If anyone hasn't seen the story or seen Project 11, um, it's awesome. Please check it out. Stefania, where can people watch that? Where is that at nowadays? Um, it's available on ESPN+. Plus, So you can go there. Essentially, it's on demand there. Um, I think it's under original projects. But if you search Project 11, if you search Alex Smith, if you go on ESPN+, Plus, you'll find it. It is still airing on linear television at times. I, I know that people will text me out the blue and say, I just watched Project 11. I am very um, flattered and honored that people have said, oh, I watched it again. It was on again. If you're looking <laughs> for something to inspire you, I think. That's another reason perhaps this story resonated so much right now is that there's a lot of yep. challenging things going on. And if you want a story that makes you feel good about the, the power of, you know, the willpower and perseverance and, and triumph over adversity, this is the one for you.
Yeah, I think everyone could use a story like this to mm -hmm. uh, to bring some positivity to 2020. It's It's been a rough year, but uh, we're going to move on to 2020 injuries to monitor for fantasy football. That's, that's what the people are listening here for. I'm going to start with your team, Stefania, the Niners. Debo Samuel coming off of the Jones fracture looks to be making headway towards a, an earlier return in the season, maybe than most people thought. What are you hearing about Debo? Um, what can we expect early in the season coming off that foot surgery? Yeah, the minute you say 49ers, I wish there was something in my coffee different than in my cup different than coffee because <laughs> my 49ers have once again in the preseason been dealt the injury blow. I mean, it's just it felt like every day I was hearing about a different player who was um, going down with injury and oh, it's been really a Jalen Hurd. I mean, it feels terrible for him. Uh, Brandon Ayuk sure. is the rookie, you know, who, who stood to see a lot of action early on, maybe more than originally anticipated because we thought Depot Samuel was going to be absent after the Jones fracture. But um, I'm hearing uh, just a touching base with a source of mine this morning that uh, Debo looks good and is doing more than people thought he would be at this point. Now, originally when he had the surgery, we heard 10 to 12 weeks. And I think the concern was, and, and perhaps still is, that Debo, just the type of guy that he is, type of player he is, that he would be so excitable and try to really push it when he came back. And as you know, um, these things get stronger the further out you get from the date of surgery. And even when these fractures appear to be completely healed on imaging, at least the best way that we can image them, the still the architecture on the inside is not necessarily as strong as it will be and with an extra month, an extra two months or extra three months. And um, I've heard Dr. Bob Anderson, who operated on Debo, talk about how these injuries, once they get past a certain point um, of several months, they're really in that very, very low risk of re-injury. Um, th typically, this, this type of injury doesn't have a high re-injury rate, except for the fact that in football, we see guys push it to come back sooner because they're trying to meet that seasonal calendar. And then the injury, the re-injury rate does go up. And, you know, as you know, if they have a second fracture, then it requires a much more robust procedure with full bone grafting. And that's a six-month recovery. So it's out there and available to guys if they do re-injure themselves. But clearly for the 49ers and for Debo, you would not want to have him have to do that. Number one, you just would rather he didn't have to for his own uh, health. But number two, how does it help the 49ers if he's back in week one, but in week four, he's re-injured that foot and then he's done. And I think that's what the 49ers have to be weighing right now. So, uh, I do believe that there is a chance now that I did not think there was a few weeks ago. I think there is a chance that he's available week one, but I'm not sure you get a hundred percent of Debo in week one. Um, not because not meaning like on every play, he's not going to look like he's going a hundred percent, but he won't have had any real game action. He, you know, there's a lot of things that they'll need to see and they don't necessarily want to unleash him uh, with a full complement of playing snaps right out of the gate. So for fantasy purposes, I would be waiting. If he, let's say we hear he is active and he's going to play in week one, I would probably be waiting on playing him. And, you know, I'd rather have a few points that I missed out on 
then put him in and then be disappointed because he only had a handful of plays or was used in special team situations, you know? For sure. And I think this season more than, than ever, that acclimation phase just back into the football activities is just so important. And we're seeing it across the league with injury rates, um, especially specifically soft tissue injuries um, at a, a pretty high rate. Um, I took Debo in the 13th round of a draft over the weekend. He just kept falling and falling and falling. So at that point, that's kind of where I was like, all right, you know what? The risk is is worth it in the 13th round. I mean, at that point, you're you're it's flyer guys, right? Like you're hoping they become something and we've seen what Debo can be. So hopefully his rehab continues to go well. We'll see how he does here in the next month or so. Uh, but speaking of soft tissue injuries, David Montgomery running back for the Bears slips in practice. We see that kind of leg forcefully move laterally to the side, that groin strain mechanism. Talk to the people about David Montgomery's, I guess, early season outlook. And then, I mean, is he even worth a draft spot? Let's say he goes in the top six rounds of your fantasy football draft. I'm not drafting him there. And that's, I'm with you. you know, my co-host makes fun of me for being risk averse. And I know there are people <laughs> who subscribe to, well, how can you play fantasy if you're risk averse? I'm like, well, you know, there are certain risks that I know a little more about, and I just choose not to um, involve myself in those risks. Could I be wrong? Sure. Because, you know, every, every I mean, this is the joy, right, of being in this line of work as you're finding out people want to know when, the, when are they coming back? They want to guarantee, which, of course, you never have. Yeah, don't and ever be two, wrong. Okay? <laughs> yeah, and number two, is he 100% healthy? You probably get that question all the time. But is he 100%? Is he 100%? Well, I don't know. I'm not there checking him. I also think every time a guy steps back on the field, playing field for the first time, that's really the ultimate test. So there's no way to know. They can do everything in practice, but until they get in a game situation where they kick it up another notch, um, you don't really know if they're 100%. I always say the way you find out is if they get through that week and another one without any setbacks, then probably they were at least good enough to be close enough to 100% to make me comfortable with using them. But uh, groin injuries in particular, especially for running backs who have to plant and cut and change direction all the time. And I, I think people have now understood that groin injuries are very, uh, can really impact lateral movement, but they also impact power, like general power. You know, it is one of your sure. core muscles. And so if you have anything there that's giving you a twinge or slight dis discomfort or there's any hesitation whatsoever, that impacts your total power. And we've heard, um, I think NFL Network has a report of him coming back in two to four weeks. But as you know, again, you're trying to get healthy to play for the season. But how easy is it to have a setback? And, and what's going to be like the first couple of weeks as he's testing it out? Um, me personally, I'm not going to take that risk. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. And, and the other thing too, just for listeners, like it matters where the injury in the muscle was, and that can really you know dictate like how long it takes to get back on the field and how long it takes for him to get to quote unquote 100. Um, percent Yeah, for me, the the current ADP average draft position for him is just too high to take the risk. So I'm with you on that one, though. Um, let's talk about a couple guys maybe bouncing back from injury in 2020. Maybe we can have a little more positivity on the show <laughs> with these guys. Uh, Chris Carson, he is interesting because as we know, the hip fracture in week 16 last year, he's been a guy that's kind of just been, it's tough to see like what these players are doing in the off season, especially this year. And then we find out he's missing time for personal reasons, which is probably not related to injury at all, but now he's back in camp and reportedly he's looking good. He's going to get the first team reps. I mean, is Chris Carson a value in fantasy? Because I feel like if, if there was an injury concern, I mean, with how much they run the football in Seattle. 
he would be higher in ADP than he is right now. I don't know what it is about some Seattle players. Now, I'm a 49er fan, so I tend to not draft Seattle players because I don't <laughs> want to root for them on Sunday. It's pretty pretty basic. But I have to say, I I would be tempted to take Chris Carson because I think the value is extremely high. This is a run-first offense. They've shown us this over and over. I think we didn't really know how they were going to use their running backs. They seem to have the this these multiple diverse talents there, but we know Rashad Penny is coming off an ACL injury and is not at a hundred percent yet. And Chris Carson's injury history is pretty much of the one and done variety. Hip fracture is a bit anomalous and we've seen other guys come back from hip fractures and do well, you know, once the fracture heals, as long as they're really strong in the muscles around the hip, it's, there's really not anything, any residual that you're necessarily going to see from it. Um, I believe he had a broken leg before and, you know, again, a broken bone, but not really, it's not like these repetitive hamstring quad, you know, things where you're worried about this repeat, this redundancy of these injuries. The more guys on the field, especially at that position, which I don't know about you, but I consider it the most vulnerable position in football um, because sure. you are the focus. Everybody wants to hit you. They're coming at you from the waist down. Knees are vulnerable. Your foot's often planted in the ground. I mean, all of all the things uh, and just the pounding from the wear and tear over and over again. But be that what it is, I think Chris Carson, for some reason, has a bit of an unfair injury perception uh, on him. And I love him this year. He's got the job and he should be healthy. Yeah. I mean, you got to find someone that loves you as much as, as Pete Carroll loves Chris Carson, right? <laughs> <laughs> with the fumbling issues and being off the field with injury. Yeah. But yeah, like like you're saying, I think that the biggest takeaway, I think, for listeners is just like, if you want to become better than your league mates at understanding injury correlation and, and risk is, is look at like, do the injuries kind of line up as like, oh, this is the same thing over and over and over again? Or is it like, you know, a broken hip and then a broken leg and then a shoulder injury like is it do they have a matching correlation and if not it's like okay the risk is probably lower and that's that's how i usually recommend to people if they're trying to do this on their own and kind of be forward thinking in, in drafts and that kind of thing so i'm with you on chris carson hopefully we get a bounce back what about big ben coming off of, of an elbow surgery of course it's on his right arm his throwing arm there's been a lot of like i feel like headlines that, that were just like oh it was tommy john then it wasn't tommy john oh no actually it was tommy john uh, no not, no it's not again you know it's just where's that and coming forth. from i, I don't I, know I, I heard that the <laughs> other know. day like oh no it was tommy john i'm like it was not tommy john like and it, he came just out for the said, record it yeah. was not tommy john he had a flexor tendon repair right. and again just so people understand i know you know this but um in baseball, first of all, flexor tendon repair, far more common in baseball than football. Um, but it's a thrower's injury. That's fair enough. It, and because of the anatomy being what it is on the inside of the elbow, the flexor tendon mass, the massive attachments of those tendons that, that work in concert to control the wrist and grip and all that, it, they sit essentially adjacent for you know, lack of a better description without a visual, um, to sure. the ulnar collateral ligament or the Tommy John ligament. So in baseball, if a pitcher were to get a flexor tendon or that you hear flexor strain or flexor pronator mass or something like that, you are a little worried about what the integrity of the ligament is because you're getting that injury 
from repeated throwing as a result of stress on the medial, the, the inner aspect of the elbow. And if you're having stress there, it's obviously not just stressing the flexor tendon, it's also stressing that ligament. Uh, but the good news is when they go in to do a surgery, like in Ben's case, he has a demonstrable tear, they also have an opportunity to look at the ligament. And if they were there and it needed reconstructing, they would have done it. But he did not have that done. He had, uh, I think it was three of the five tendons repaired at the, at the flexor tendon junction. And um, yes, it's significant that he had this whole off season and it took him months to recover. And you want a graduated throwing program, just like you would coming off of any major arm surgery for a quarterback. So um, I'm not really sure how the whole rumor mill got started, but uh, he had what he had. And even if he'd had Tommy John, uh, it, it really doesn't matter because the throwing mechanism for a football uh, throwing a football is so different than one for throwing a baseball. And you have to think, I, th I think Ben Roethlisberger's 38. Is that right? And, yep. Uh, yep. and so it's like a war of attrition inside that throwing arm. I mean, he's been playing sure. since he was a kid. He was a multi-sport athlete, which I actually, you know, I'm a huge fan of multi-sport athlete growing up um, because I think it's just better for you. There's a lot of talk. I've talked to people about uh, his athletic skill. You know, for a big guy, he moves better than most people think, um, which he largely attributes to playing baseball. But you think of all the throwing he's done over his lifetime. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it broke down. But and he also now that you now that you hear him talk and you, you must get this a lot, but players will say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then if they have something and they have an injury, they're like, well, I was playing in pain for three years. So all that time they were telling me they were fine. They weren't fine, but I understand that they're not going to come out and say, well, I'm playing and I'm in pain and I think an injury is about to happen. Nobody's going to do that. But uh, it, you always feel like, ah, you know, see, I knew there was something that was going on. And so he had been had some discomfort and it just got to the point where obviously the damage was such that he couldn't throw a football anymore and he couldn't grip it because that wide grip, you know, with the flexor tendon damage, he, he, he couldn't right. do it, but he looks good. And I, I would say, you know, we said we were going to talk about something positive. Like I, I actually think he could have a really big season. You know, he was throwing, yes. I think their, their offense was so pass heavy the year before he went down and he was throwing as much as he'd ever thrown. I think he had a career year in terms of, pass yardage um, the year before he was injured. So uh, he doesn't have to do that again for them to get their passing offense back, which obviously really sputtered last year in his absence. For sure. I'm with you in the optimistic lens there with Big Ben and the Steelers as, as a bounce back candidate uh, this season. Stefania, we're running a little late on time. I know you got to get out of here. So I do want to get to a bunch of listener questions. So we'll skip kind of the, the last few on the dock here. And we'll get to some of the listener questions. Uh, this comes in from at Brandon. I don't want to botch the name, so I'm just going to spell it C-I-R-B-O uh, on Twitter. <laughs> he wants to know, are there any concerns about Kenyon Drake's, and he put this in quotes, precautionary walking <laughs> boot? Uh, what are your thoughts there? Um, I'm not concerned. He's already been running outside of the walking boot since last weekend. And I think I understand the question. I think it's a totally legitimate question. And people say, even my co-host, he, he, Matthew Berry had tweeted something like, I don't know, but I have, you know, he copied me, tagged me in it. Like, it's not <laughs> ideal it <laughs> when you're in a walking boot, right? 
And I said, of course, well, it's not ideal. You know, I'd rather that somebody was not and they were feeling totally fine. But I also understand that walking boots can be everything from something you put on to protect in the case of a massive injury because you don't want the person to load their foot and ankle the same way. Or can it also be just because of the fact that, you know, what most people don't know about the walking boot, it's got like that curved bottom. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of a rocker. In other words, you don't have to push off to advance your foot less work it's basically that the boot just kind of helps carry your foot forward and if you have any kind of soreness or discomfort and you put that on it feels better i get it you know now is not the time to press through and if he said he wore one um last year at times and it helped him feel better i don't think it's a big deal i would say my bigger concern is just i'd be interested to hear what you think can Kenyon Drake handle the volume of work that they imply is coming his way? I'm not convinced. We haven't seen it, right? Even going back to his days in college at Alabama, mm-hmm. um, I think off the top of my head, like the the most carries he had in a season was like 93 in his, his years at Alabama. And then we see, obviously, in Miami, it was kind of in and out and was used as a role player. But what we saw down the stretch, it's such a small sample size to, to project forward. But there's been talks that they like Chase Edmonds and that they think he's going to have more of a role in this offense anyway. And so I don't know that people are going to get 70% of the running back touches or 65, even if it's like a a 60-40 type of split. That might be good for Kenyon Drake. And just with how efficient that running back position was last year, I'll take both guys in fantasy. I I want a little bit of Chase Edmonds too. I agree. I just don't know that I want to pay for that. And um, I love Kenyon Drake. I thought he was underrated. I I actually, you know, usually I go to training camp. So it's a very hard year for me because I really miss my training camp visits is where I get a lot of really good information. I can see guys in practice and I trust my own eyes more than anything else. Um, And uh, I remember visiting Kenyon Drake um, shortly after he was drafted and you know, Derrick Henry, he he got some some work at Alabama. So you know, it's, <laughs> he not, <sure> did. <laughs> it's, it's not like Kenyon Drake had all the opportunity, but he was a tough kid. He had, um, I don't know if you remember Thomas Davis uh, with, when mm-hmm. he was with the Panthers, had that forearm fracture and played in the Super Bowl. Kenyon Drake yeah. basically did the same thing while he was at Alabama. He had a forearm fracture, had plate and screws put in, and came back and played very, very quickly after that, and it did not impede his style of play whatsoever. He was just on a team with an incredible amount of talent, and so he was not going to be the focus of that team. But I always thought he had talent that was underappreciated and underutilized while he was at Miami. I felt like Arizona showcased it, but I still don't know that that's something you can rely on for as a, you know, as a feature workhorse back, which I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, um, of the opinion that those backs are, uh, you know, going the way of the dodo bird, you know, it's like that you just can't <laughs> put that kind of workload on most guys and expect them to be able to hold up to it. I don't know why people are surprised when these guys who are the starting running backs who dominate the workload are, they get injured. Of course they do. (laughs) You know, I I think the teams that have committees and it's terrible because it goes counter to what we want for fantasy, right? You want somebody who knows (laughs) going to get all the touches and all the work, but really the teams that are best set up for success have that versatility in the backfield where they have, um, you know, not necessarily they have to be limited to one skill set. Like you're either the receiving 
the pass catching running back or you're the, the ball carrier, but they have some ability to rotate um, between their members of their backfield and, and get the most they can out of a committee. For sure. Next question comes in from at dump the bosses. Uh, interesting oh. handle there. <laughs> okay. Wants to know what is up with Swift. He's, he's referencing Deandre Swift. Mm. I have him across leagues. Should I be worried? I don't know. You know, I, I wish I had a better answer because th this is the time where teams, they don't have to report much. So they're not, um, right. I, I don't get the sense that I'm super worried about this. I don't know what, I, I don't know what you would say to this. I I'm more worried about carry on Johnson just because, uh, he has not done well with, he's had a couple knee issues that have been significant for him, um, including a meniscus repair in season, which was problematic last year. And that's just tough. That's ultimately tough on your career. If you're a running back, who's had a meniscal repair and you've had an MCL injury in your history and, you know, he's got a brace that he runs with, which yep. is fine, but it, there's a reason they went and got insurance for him. Uh, for so, sure. If I, you know, if I'm trying to read the tea leaves, I'm presuming that it's as much protection for DeAndre Swift as anything else. But it, again, it's tough, especially in this season where you're not getting any uh, real game action until week one. I, what, yeah. where, where are you on, on this Detroit backfield? This is a tough one for me. I've just been hands off. Uh, I mean, there's enough concerns with with the backfield in general and, and just look at fantasy production over the years. I mean, the last thousand yard rusher they have was Reggie Bush. So it's been a while since we've seen a lot of production there. Um, but yeah, with carry on, I'm with you. I've, I've shot away quite a bit. And then with DeAndre Swift, I saw a report, I think it was with the athletic um, talking about trainers, like working on his upper thigh. So presumably we're looking at a hamstring injury, maybe a quad injury, but regardless, he came back to practice yesterday. So recording this on Tuesday, he came back on Monday uh, he was apparently limited, so we'll see. I'm expecting a slower start with Swift, obviously a rookie in a weird offseason, now having an injury in training camp. So, yeah, it, it's a backfield I've just kind of shied away from. But I'll tell you what, I definitely want some Matthew Stafford, <laughs> Kenny Galladay, Marvin <laughs> yes. Jones this year, yes, for sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. Go stick with the passing game there. I love. I can't wait to see what DeAndre Swift can do. I really do. I, I like him as a talent, and I think he's a good fit for that offense, what they need. Um, but like I said, this is a time of year when with some of these injuries, you're like, is it an injury or are they being right. really protective because they're like, hey, week one's around the corner. I mean, if we had preseason games, this would be the week where nobody plays in any of them, right? So, right. you know, nobody yep. who's going to be starting in week one. So we're kind of stuck with that uh, without a lot of insight until the first official injury report with the status, you know, the queue and the... Yep. The, the D and the <laughs> come out. So, yep, you're going to be very busy over the next couple of weeks trying to decipher all of that for us. Uh, last question, Stefania. I'll let you get out of here right after this one from ASAP Mo Zero on Twitter. This is one of our Patreon supporters. Shout out to Mo, loyal listener. He wants to know Does Hollywood Brown have a high chance of re injuring his foot this season? Uh, I think not. You know, this is. Uh, these are injuries and surgeries that are a big deal when they happen. But once you fully recover, I, you can, you can do really, really well. And I think he already showed us that he was running well last year and he still had a screw in, which he had taken out in the off season 
um, as guys often do after this kind of surgery, because the hardware in that, you know, foot where you have very little skin, you certainly don't have any fat around it. It can be annoying. Um, and I was telling people last year, look, as a rookie coming in, and he was obviously known for his explosive speed. This is what he was, you know, he was going to be the huge deep threat, get down the field in a hurry. And I said, you know, just beware that he may not be able to hit that top end speed until you get partway through the season. But he actually performed really very well early on. He had a couple issues, I think, over the course of the season, just related to the fact that hey, he was coming off a of major surgery and he had this little um, bit of issue with the hardware. I actually talked to him at the Super Bowl. I was out in Miami and I saw him at an event, uh, which is nice. Again, when you get these guys and they're away from things, sometimes you can just get the real answer. And he said sure. that the, the screw had been bothering him, but as soon as he got it out, it, he felt great. Um, and overall, he actually felt pretty good last year and he was coming in uh, a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger this year. You know, he he is tiny. The thing you worry about oh, some is some workout is, videos on yeah, his Instagram. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just care that he's just as fast as he was. You know, a few pounds lighter. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I, I from a re-injury standpoint, um, I I wouldn't worry about it much. Not for this type of thing. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Stefani, this was awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy schedule to, to sit down and talk some injuries with me. One more time, let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, plug anything you're working on right now over at ESPN. And then last thing, let the people know who is your guy for fantasy in 2020. Doesn't even have to be to do with injuries, just your guy that you're you like this year that you're in on. I'm that's terrible because I really I have not I don't have someone I'm all, okay I'll give you one but um right, to answer your question first um it's uh Stefania underscore ESPN on Twitter Stefania Bell on Instagram uh we can catch our podcast Fantasy Focus live every day from 10 a.m to 11 a.m eastern and that is also you can find it in the ESPN app um the fan, ESPN fantasy app you can find it on YouTube and it's live on Twitter every day so um, and starting the first week of the season, our television show, Fantasy Football Now, will be coming back. It's going to be very strange for me to get in the studio first time since March. I'll be back wow. <laughs> at ESPN. <laughs> I've been doing everything from home, so that's going to feel great. Um, and that'll be 10 to 1 uh, Eastern on ESPN2 to help you get your lineup set. But my guy that I'm going with because I like being a little contrarian sometimes, and I know there's so many people who um, – at who have written him off and I also think unfairly have labeled him as an injury risk. I mean, you can feel free to disagree with me. Actually, I kind of want to know what you think, but <laughs> that's uh, David Johnson. And I, you know, if you look at, he's five years, three of those years, he's played all 16 games. One year he had a nasty wrist injury, right? And he had a dislocation, he had to have surgery and he potentially could have come back, but they did the right thing and kept him out that year. Arizona was not going anywhere in the postseason. There was no reason to take a risk. So he misses one whole season because of one injury. It's not like uh, the Will Fuller hamstring thing where he was in, out, in, out, in, out with one hamstring injury. This was a wrist injury that recovered fully with surgery. And the following year, he played all 16 games but he played in a terrible offense. I mean, a terrible offensive line. The offense right. itself was terrible. He had no good quarterback play. And quite frankly, he was one of the saviors on desperation outlet passes when David Johnson, <laughs> like he put up decent numbers despite that. And then last year, you know, you get a new coach, a new offense, and I don't feel like he really fit. 
And when he had a couple little things crop up, and I think they were little, he had some back spasms in the summer and never ended up really limiting him. And he had an ankle injury and he did that thing that players do where he tried to play through it. And that one game, I think he was trying to push to get out in the field and he couldn't. And anybody who started him in fantasy was was bitter because he was out for like two plays and he was then he was done. The Giants um, game, yep, I remember that. But then the bottom line is, and they bring Kenyon Drake in, who has an amazing game. Of course, I remember it was against the 49ers. But that <laughs> then was the beginning of the end for David Johnson in Arizona. And I don't think he was ever going to get a shot. And I've had people say, oh, he looked like he lost a step. He wasn't as explosive. You never really know what's going on with the guy, though, too, when your confidence is down and all this turmoil. And whatever it was, he's got a new location. He's got a fresh start. They're committed to him being the number one guy. And he's angry about it. He looks great. looks like he's in phenomenal shape. I have no reason to think that he's a greater injury risk than most of the guys we've been talking about. In fact, I think, you know, I'd bet on him over a lot of other guys in terms of, you know, when it comes to uh, injury resiliency. And I think that he's going to be a nice uh, outlet for Deshaun Watson. And I, I actually think David Johnson could pay off dividends and fantasy that are way above his ADP right now. Yeah, I, you know, people just kind of, there, there was a, a Twitter clip that like circulated and it went everywhere. And it was the play of David Johnson running to the left side of the line, mm-hmm. right back off of injury, very slow, couldn't turn the corner, couldn't put his foot in the ground and go. And people just said, oh, he's washed, like he's done. Well, maybe not, right? Maybe that injury was really plaguing him that that time. And in the first six weeks of the season, he was a top 10 running back in fantasy. And people forget that very quickly. So, yeah, I mean, they just traded away DeAndre Hopkins to get him in Houston. So no doubt Bill O'Brien is going to use him a, a ton. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I like that call. Uh, definitely an RB2 for me in my ranks. And I think he'll he'll return some value there for sure. So, Fani, this was awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll let you get out of here. I know we ran a little bit long on time, but oh, it's always okay. fun. Nerding out with it on, you know, injuries. Yeah, it's nice to, to, talk, about, to so. <laughs> talk to another PD. It's in, I'm glad to have you in this space. You know, it's really, it is great to see that there are more people who have a background in uh, sports medicine, of whatever that particular is. You know, there's physicians who are out here. There's PTs. There's some athletic trainers. Everybody, there's, there's room for everyone. But I, I do think it's really helpful because when we talk about, Injuries, it may not be, um, it's just a slightly different perspective, I would say, on our fantasy takes that is coming from the place where we existed before we got into all of this. So um, for sure, I'm glad to have you here. Awesome. Well, appreciate it, Stefania. Thanks so much. Uh, Listeners, if you are listening and you are a PT or a doctor or whatever, (laughs) and you want to get into this space, do it. It is definitely worth it. Uh, And for our listeners, you can catch us later this week. Uh, We are back with James Coe doing a 2020 league winners segment. Uh, Very excited about that. For Stefania, for me, for the entire crew at Red Shirts, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out BallBlastFootball.com for all things fantasy football.